Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 32 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today, and it's something that I've been wanting to do really for the past couple episodes, you know, the last couple days, looking to get an opportunity to do this episode. Basically, we're just going to take a look back at, you know, the first couple episodes of this this season that I recorded. I laid out a few things that I thought were early strengths for the Rangers and a couple of early red flags, and I just want to take a look at all of those items. There's about three or four on each side, and I just wanted to look at them all here together collectively. We'll take a look, and we'll see which ones of those turned out to be true. Which of the early positive signs indeed turned out to be strengths of this team, and we'll see which of the early red flags are are still red flags and maybe some that, you know, haven't been as much of a concern as we thought they would be. We're going to take a look at all that right now. Again, this is episode number 32 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, and I should also mention that I am recording this on Monday, and this episode will be released on Wednesday, and so anything I talk about, it will not include anything that happened from the Rangers Monday night game against the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you want some coverage of that game, absolutely check out Tuesday's episode, episode 31. I'll talk about whatever it was that happened between the Rangers and Knights. And also episode 30, that was Monday's episode. We do a special crossover edition with Danny Webster of Locked On Golden Knights. We had a lot of fun, you know, just talking. I learned a little bit more about the the Vegas team, and I'm sure... You know, any Knights listeners learn more about the Rangers, and we, we just had a good time, you know, just talking some hockey. So, yeah, definitely check out those two episodes as well. But, again, anything I mentioned in this episode will not include anything that happened on Monday night because, as I am saying these words, that game has not happened yet. Just the way it worked out this week with my schedule, I thought I could record an extra episode here. So that's what we're going to do. So we'll start with one of the positives, one of the early good signs for the Rangers, and that was that I predicted that Mika Zibanejad was on the verge of super stardom in this league, and I stand by that. Mika Zibanejad is big time. He missed an entire month, of course, with an upper body injury that he sustained in a game against the Boston Bruins, but he was off to a torrid start before that, and he's looked good. He's only been back for three games, but he's got two goals and an assist since making his return to the lineup. So picking up right where he left off after a hot start, and overall in 12 games this season, Zibanejad has six goals and eight assists. That's more than a point per game, and in my book, that is superstar-level production. The jury's still out. I'm not ready to call Zibanejad, you know, a bona fide superstar and a guy who's got to be on the all-star game every single season, but he's on the right track, and when he started this season a long time, Artemi Panarin, it definitely was a positive thing for him. Anytime you share the ice with a player of Panarin's caliber, it's going to lead to an increase in production, and Zibanejad was no exception there. But Zibanejad can stand on his own two feet as well, because since he's been back in the lineup, he has not played on the same line as Panarin. Panarin is on the top line, alongside with Ryan Strom and currently Capo Caco. And right now, Zibanejad is centering the second line with Brendan Lemieux and Pavel Buchnevich. And I'm fine with keeping them apart. I mean, I think my... My prediction that he was about to become a superstar, that would have a greater chance of coming true if he was alongside Panarin. But you know what? Zibanejad's a star in his own right. Keep Panarin and Zibanejad separate for now. Zibanejad can cause other people to kind of raise their game a little bit just by being on the ice with them. You know, you look at a guy like Brendan Lemieux or a Pavel Buchnevich, Chris Kreider might mix in there. Jesper Foss, I mean, we know how he moves up and down the lineup. So you've got two guys right now in Panarin and Zibanejad who just by sharing the line with them, some of these young players, it will cause them to get better. And 
I stand by my statement. You know, Zibanejad, he's still just 26 years old, which is crazy because it, it feels like he's been on the Rangers for a while now. It's his fourth year with the team. But his numbers have just been rising across the board ever since he's been on the Rangers. He's been great. And like we said, he missed an entire month of action. So it's going to be tough for him to set new career highs in things like goals and assists. But maybe he sets new career highs and, you know, goals per game and assists per game. Uh, last year, career highs in both goals and assists, 30 goals, 44 helpers. And as lethal as Panarin and Zibanejad could be playing on the same line, that top line together, they might be more effective right now being separated on different lines and elevating the play of the people around them. And again, Zibanejad's still just 26 years old, and when the Rangers brought him in, it was with the intention that he was going to be a cornerstone. He was going to be one of the key building blocks of this franchise rebuild, and that has come to fruition. Zibanejad continues to look like one of the better players in this league, just an absolute star in the making, and I stand by that. I think it's still a positive that the Rangers have Mika Zibanejad, to say the least. And if the Rangers are going to be a playoff team this year, Mika Zibanejad going to have a huge part in it. And he, like we said, he's going to be a huge part of this team going forward for many seasons to come. Our second early positive sign was that Artemi Panarin early in the season did not look the least bit intimidated or hesitant under the bright lights of New York City. We see this sometimes if a, if a player, regardless of the sport, if they come to New York, or not even New York, if they just go to another team, a place they're not familiar with, maybe a team that's under you know the, the magnifying glass a little bit more than their previous team, sometimes they struggle a little bit. But that has not been the case with Artemi Panarin. He has been the best player on the Rangers this season. 12 goals and 21 assists in 25 games. Just looking like the superstar that we all hoped he would be. And really, one of those guys, when he's out there on the ice, anybody who shares the ice with him, they're going to see their production increase. Ryan Strom, I think, a perfect example of that. Strom, a guy, came to this team with not a lot of fanfare, not seemingly a lot of upside, but he has been tremendous this season. And obviously, skating alongside Artemi Panarin and developing a strong rapport for him with him has been a big, big part of that. And one of the crazier stats with Panarin, you know, he only has five games this season where he has not registered at least one point. And the most recent of those was actually this this previous win against the Devils, the 4-0 win. So not even a game where they really needed him. And then as for multi-point games, he's got 12 of those. So yeah, I mean, I could sit here and reel off stats all day to talk about how great Artemi Panarin is, but you guys watch the Rangers. You know what I'm talking about. And you can see it's, it's clear as day. This guy has not been the least bit intimidated by the big stage of playing in New York City. If anything, he has thrived on it. So yeah, just uh, you couldn't ask for anything more than Artemi Panarin. I know we thought we were getting a superstar here, so expectations were very high, but he has in fact exceeded those expectations. So that's great to see. And that early positive sign it has turned out to be true because there hasn't been a single point this season where Artemi Panarin has looked like anything less than a superstar. It really is crazy how he just produces night in and night out and how he elevates the game of those around him. So yeah, I mean, nothing to worry about here. Nothing to see. Panarin's awesome. Let's move on to the third positive. Just wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know that today's Locked On podcast is sponsored by DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. And finally, one of the things that really kind of got me excited before the season and in the early goings of the season, and one of the things that's positive is that the Rangers have the absolute youngest team 
in the NHL. We've talked about this before, but when they decided to rebuild, they did not do it halfway. They went all in, getting younger, acquiring players via trade, acquiring draft picks via trade, and we're starting to see it all come together here. The Rangers are just ripe with youth. And look at the contributions that they're getting from some of these guys. I mean, Tony D'Angelo and Adam Fox will start a defense. You know, both these guys looking like big-time two-way players. There's, there's been a couple hiccups. You know, I don't, I don't think any Ranger defenseman has had a perfect season by any stretch. The Rangers do give up too many goals, and the defensemen have a hand in that. But a lot of guys on the blue line for the Rangers who can contribute on both sides of the rink, and that's something that the Rangers have lacked for really as long back as I can remember. And now they've got guys, you know, whether it's Fox or whether it's Truba or whether it's D'Angelo, the Rangers are getting a lot from their defensemen. And there's been times where these Ranger defensemen have definitely shown their youth and they've made mistakes and there have been some hiccups and there have been some bad games. But, you know, you look at you look at this collection they have right now and you, you trade for Truba and he, you know, he had a bad stretch. He started hot, bad stretch, and I think he's gotten it back together lately. Brady Shea, kind of the same thing. I mean, he went through a bad... He went through a bad couple of games there and really just kind of looked lost in the loss against the Senators. But overall, he's played well ever since then. That's your top pairing. And then Ryan Lindgren up from Hartford. I mean, I don't think they'll ever send him down again. I know Mark Stahl might be about to come back, but I can't see them. Lindgren's played too well. I, I would not send him back down to the minors. I don't think he's done anything wrong, nothing that would warrant that. And Adam Fox, man, this dude, look out. I mean, he is... He is Basically, there's a bandage out of the defense in that he looks like a superstar in the making. He's just 21 years old, and he plays with tremendous confidence, and he's just given the Rangers a lot. He's given them a real spark from the blue line, mixing in on the power play. Him and D'Angelo both kind of running point on the power play, kind of switching back and forth between the first unit and the second unit. But yeah, great stuff from Adam Fox. Tony D'Angelo, a little bit of a contentious offseason as far as his contract was concerned, but they got it taken care of, and he's been great for the Rangers this year as well. He really bet on himself this offseason, and it looks like it's going to pay off for him. And Liber Hayek, you know, he's been good. Uh, not maybe the most noticeable defenseman on the ice for the Rangers, but that's not always the worst thing when you're a defenseman because it means you're probably not making mistakes and you're pretty sound on your end of the ice. Hasn't been perfect, just like any other defenseman on this team, but overall pretty good. And the craziest thing about all of this is I believe Brady Shea is 25 years old, and I believe he is the oldest of any of these defensemen, and he's certainly the longest-tenured Ranger defenseman, not including Mark Stahl, of course, who is out with an injury. The youth is... It's all over the ice for the Rangers, but the defensemen have youth in spades. I mean, just such a young group that all look like they are moving steadily in the right direction, even, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule, if you want to say it that way, because, yeah, again, these guys, you know, it, it's coming together, and it's easy to say that when the Rangers are on a 4-0-1 streak because everything's clicking and everybody's playing well, but the fact remains the same. This is an exciting group. They're all tremendously young, and, again, you got to give the Rangers credit, the Ranger front office credit, for having the guts to go all in and, and rebuild this thing basically from scratch. And you look at these defensemen here, and it, it's pretty clear that they have done a great job doing that. And these Ranger defensemen, certainly they deserve credit as well for producing when they're on the ice and kind of, again, as we said, kind of arriving, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule. And as for the forwards, I mean, there's nobody Nobody on this team is over the age of 30. I mean, Michael Haley's 33, but, I mean, he's just an enforcer, and he's he doesn't even dress more often than not. I mean, I know he, he's played a little bit recently, and that's that's cool and everything, but, 
Yeah, I mean, the the oldest Ranger forwards besides Haley are Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin, who are both 28 years old. And everybody else, I mean, you look up and down this lineup, and it's just a bunch of youngsters. You know, Ryan Strom is 26, but he's maybe a little bit of a late developer because he's on pace to, you know, basically have a career year across the board, but he's still young. Capo Caco is 18 years old. Now, listen, there's been some mixed results with Capo Caco so far this season, but again, tremendously young, learning how to play the game at the NHL level and acclimating himself to a whole new country. And then you've got, you know, again, Mika Zibanejad's still young. He's only 26. Pavel Buchnevich is still young. He's 24. Chris Kreider, I mean, he's 28. Chris Kreider, it feels like it's been there for a long time, but he's still just 28. Philip Heedle, up from Hartford. He's only 20 years old, and he's been awesome for the Rangers. I mean, look what you've gotten out of Philip Heedle. That's a, just a great example of what we're talking about here. A guy coming in very young and just overachieving and look like he, looking like he belongs right away. He spent most of last year with the Rangers, but basically a whole new player this season. Again, looking like he's going to be a big, big part of this rebuild and leading the Rangers to where they eventually want to go. So again, there's a lot of youth on this team, but it's it's more than just having the youth. It's like these guys are producing, man. They are scoring goals. They are dishing out assists. They are making things happen. The Rangers are the seventh highest scoring team in hockey in terms of goals per game. They currently sit at 3.32 goals per game, and that's all the youth coming together and making things happen and not being afraid to go to the net. It's all those things together. A lot of these guys, you know, overachieving early in their careers, and just the fact that they're so young and they're all going to get better, you have to be excited by the youth that the Rangers have put together here. And it's going to be so much fun to just watch these guys continue to develop and continue to get better. So we'll go ahead now and we'll talk about some of the early red flags, some of the early concerning signs that I laid out in that early episode. It was episode two, by the way, if anybody wants to go back and listen to it. But... Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things was Henrik Lundqvist because he was coming off of, for what was, in all intents and purposes, his worst NHL season, and 37 years old and showing some signs of, you know, starting to slow down a little bit and clearly not going to be a Vesna candidate as he once was. However, I did qualify the whole thing by saying that I was not giving up on Henrik Lundqvist, that I still thought he could be a good, if unspectacular, goalie in this league, and all of that pretty much still applies because Lundqvist has had a couple of shaky games this season. He had a game against the Panthers where, I mean, he let, uh, he let in quite a few soft goals in that game and really cost him the game. But by that same token, he's had some awesome games. You look at, I mean, especially the first game that they played against the Hurricanes, but also the second one. I mean, he was a brick wall in those games, and they don't win those games without Henrik Lundqvist standing on his head. So, I still do have some concerns about Henrik. You know, it's a long season. We're only about a third of the way through it, not not even quite a third of the way through it. And it's fair to wonder if he can still hold up the way that he did, you know, in his heyday. And mixing in Georgiev alleviates some of that pressure and obviously will keep Lundqvist fresh down the stretch and hopefully in the playoffs if there are playoffs. But yeah, I mean, Lundqvist, I still like what I'm seeing for him. I don't think it's going to be a situation where we're ever going to look at it and say, oh man, this guy's absolutely killing us. This guy gives us no chance to win. I mean, there might be a game or two like that every once in a while, but that's true of any goalie in the NHL, you know? So I do feel better right now about Henrik Lundqvist than I did early in the season. He got off to a rough start. I believe he gave up 14 goals in the first four games. Didn't always look like he was, you know, had his A game for a lot of those contests, but he's been really sharp recently. In fact, he's only given up now 12 goals in his last five games, and of course the Rangers on this 4-0-1 stretch. He didn't play all those, you know, Georgiev played played the first one, but yeah, Lundqvist has been great, man, and you know, it's, it's, it's great to see, because I don't want 
my last, you know, few memories of Lundquist, you know, to be something that's, you know, tainted by just bad play, by bad goaltending. And it hasn't been that. He's been he's been absolutely fine this year. He gives the Rangers a chance more often than not. Of course, you know, his goals against average, it is north of three, currently sitting at 3-1-6, and then his save percentage is 9-12. But that's also a byproduct of the fact that this is just a really high-scoring league these days. And, you know, he's not going to put up the same numbers, the same goals against average. Even if he was the exact same player today that he was, say, I don't know, eight years ago, he still wouldn't be putting up the same exact kind of numbers just because, you know, it's a high-scoring league. It's set up that way, and, you know, the talent of these skaters is just off the charts. But Lundqvist has held up just fine, and, it, you know, maybe he's revitalized by this all this youth around him. I mean, he's the oldest—it's crazy because he's the oldest guy on the team by, you know, four years, and Michael Haley's 33, and Lundqvist is 37. But, yeah, I mean, I overall, I like what I'm seeing this year. I know the goals against average isn't necessarily pretty, but that's also because, you know, there have been a couple—it it seems like when Lundqvist struggles, it's kind of a situation where when it rains, it pours, and the game goes really bad. So if you take away—and I realize it's not fair to do this, but if you take away maybe just his, like— you know, I don't know, three worst performances of the season, I think his numbers would, would look quite a bit better. And that also includes that disaster game against the Tampa Bay Lightning where the Rangers lost. I think it was 9-2 the final. 9-2, 9-3. I think 9-2. Who cares? They got killed. But bottom line, Lundqvist had to come in in relief in that game against the Lightning team that was firing on all cylinders. Lundqvist just played the second period and gave up four goals. And again, you know, not a great performance by him there, obviously, but getting absolutely zero help from his teammates as well. So that shellacking did quite a number on his goals against average. Bottom line, I like what I've seen overall from Lundqvist this year. It hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been, you know the Lundqvist that was a perennial all-star when he was at the height of his awesomeness. But yeah, Lundqvist has been solid. I feel better about him than I did when I recorded episode two and said that I thought he was a red flag. Even then, you know, I said I, th- I thought that he could still be a good goalie, but now I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good about Lundqvist. I don't see him as a weakness anymore, and hopefully he can just keep it up. We will see what happens moving forward. And then the other thing that I was worried about coming into this season was where is the secondary scoring going to come from? Because you know, coming into the year, we knew, okay, Panarin's going to score, Zibanejad's going to score, we're good there. After that, though, it get, it starts to get a little dicey. I mean, Kako, it's, you never, he's kind of a wild card, you know, he's an 18-year-old. Uh, Buchnevich, I mean, you could pencil him in for a few goals, sure. Kreider, same thing. But I just didn't know where all the scoring was going to come from this season. And that concern has been alleviated about as much as it could possibly be alleviated because you look at this team and they have a dozen players with 10 or more points. That's pretty crazy. The scoring is really spread out on this team and nobody could have expected what the Rangers are getting from both Tony D'Angelo and Adam Fox, two defensemen really chipping in on the offense. Tony D'Angelo, seven goals and 12 assists, playing by far the best hockey that Ranger fans have ever seen him play. And Adam Fox, 21-year-old rookie with five goals and nine assists, and he's been tremendous as well. Both of those guys mixing in on the power play and contributing there. And D'Angelo, the, the crazy thing there is all seven of his, of his goals have come basically right for the, from the doorstep. And I don't know if this is like a new thing for him where he's constantly, you know, rushing the net, or maybe I just haven't noticed it as much before because, you know, he hasn't stood out in other seasons the way that he stood out in this season. But yeah, man, I mean, D'Angelo, he goes to the net hard and he, and he scores from the doorstep quite often. So he's been great. That's 
I mean, both those defensemen, that's your secondary scoring right there. And then Buchnevich, you know, he's got 19 points. That's fourth on the team, five goals and 14 assists. So he's delivered about what you would expect, maybe a little bit more, though. I mean, Buchnevich has really been solid this year. Zibanejad, only the 14 points, but again, that's in just 12 games. So he's doing exactly what you would expect. Artemi Panarin's giving you what you would expect. Ryan Strom, we've talked about him. He's got the breakout season so far. And Kreider's been steady. Kreider really had some bad luck early in the season, but he's now up to six goals and seven assists. Uh, Jacob Truba, who we traded for. Again, a little bit up and down this year, but hey, three goals, 10 assists for Jacob Truba. Kako, six goals, five assists. Philip since just 16 games for Philip eight goals and two assists. Ever since being caught up from Hartford, he has been fantastic for the Rangers. He's not going back to the minors anytime soon, if ever. And even Brady Shea, you know, we've been a little bit tough on him, but he's contributing offensively as well. Four goals and six assists for Shea. And finally, rounding out the last player on the Rangers with 10 or more points is Brendan Lemieux. He's got the three goals and the seven assists. So, yeah, I mean, concerns officially alleviated. This Ranger team can score some goals. We talked about it before, but it bears repeating. They are seventh in the league with 3.32 goals per game. The power play has been good, not perfect, but they're currently sitting in 12th place on the man advantage they have converted on exactly 20% of their power plays. That's not spectacular, but it's not bad either. And beyond just the percentages, I think more often than not, the power play looks pretty good for the Rangers, and they look like they're a threat to score far more often than not when they have the man advantage. Every now and then you'll get a bad power player too, but it happens, you know, and, and I know a lot of us, you know, we want the Rangers to shoot more often, you know, shoot the puck, shoot the puck, and that's warranted in some instances, but for the most part, I think the Rangers, it, a lot of creativity on the power play and a lot of different scoring threats on the ice, and that's all added up to a good power play, which has contributed to the Rangers being a high-scoring team, and like we said, you know, a lot of these guys can put the puck in the net, and they can set other people up to put on the puck in the net as well. They struggled to score goals last season. That has not been the case this season, so that concern has gone bye-bye because these guys have firmly established themselves as a high-scoring team. So that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. Again, I just thought it would be fun to kind of look back and, and and kind of remember what we were looking at early in the season as far as, you know, why the Rangers could be a good team and then some concerns about why they might not be such a good team. And that was great and everything. And maybe what I'll do is later this week or early next week, I'll do a new episode where we kind of just reset and do this all again. Because now that we've gotten a chance to see the Rangers in action for, you know, 25 games or so here, we can sort of reassess and we can talk about some things that have been positive so far this season for the Rangers, and then, of course, some things that give us concern going forward. And anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows what number one on my biggest concerns is going to be, and that, of course, is that the Rangers just take way too many penalties. And the penalty kill has been better of late. You know, they've killed off 20 of their last 21 after going through a really rough stretch there. But nevertheless, the Rangers still spending entirely too much time in the sin bin. But regardless, we'll save that for another day. For now, that's going to do it for today. The Rangers will be back in action on Thursday night at the road against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Puck drops at 7 o'clock for that one. Alex Georgiev, it has been announced, will start that game. And then the next night, the Rangers will be at home against the Montreal Canadiens, also a 7 p.m. start time, and that game will belong to Henrik Lundqvist. So we'll see what happens. You know, another back-to-back here for the Rangers, and we'll be back here to talk about all of that and 
yeah, thanks again for tuning in. If you want to get in touch, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And once again, do give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. If you follow along on there, you'll know immediately whenever a new episode drops. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.